recognizing that a lot of the people that I follow, their content, their thoughts, whether that be through podcast or YouTube, most of them, if not all of them, are engaged in having a mentor and being a part of a community of like-minded people. And it was a, I remember journaling about this, like, dude, do you think you are above this? <laughs> like, do you think all these people that are extraordinary individuals who achieve great things stated this has been essential to their process of not being alone, being able to like go shoulder to shoulder with people with similar missions, to be able to learn from others' mistakes, to be able to get input. Like, do you really think that you don't need this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thanks again for listening to us. Jason Muth here with Straightforward Short-Term Rentals with attorney, real estate broker, Rory Gill. Rory, what's going on? Not much, Jason. I'm glad that we're um, getting back to recording some of these and we're kicking things off in this uh, this season um, with a an exciting guest. I know you've had the chance to connect with them before, um, but anybody who's listening who uh, runs their own business in whatever form that takes. Um, I think we're going to be talking about you know what it really feels like to to you know be an entrepreneur and be a leader. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I mean this this guy when I, I met Anson Roberts last year when I joined the STR Secrets Mastermind, and he has done nothing but give. He just gives, 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 gives. And I really want to talk about that uh, on this podcast. Um, I was able to meet Anson in person. That about that. Um, go into some mindset, his beautiful properties, uh, and the business that he has built. Uh, this is Anson Roberts, the CEO of Tailored Stays. Anson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks guys. Happy to be here. Yeah. We're so happy to have you on. Uh, you've been on my short list to try to get, uh, on this podcast for a while. I know I just reached out to you, you know, there's just some stuff that like Anson does every day, you know, that he probably doesn't even realize he's doing. And it just gives so much value to people like myself and to other people that are in our short-term rental community. And I really wanted to get into that because uh, I think it's important. I mean, one thing with the real estate investing world is everybody is just open. They want each other to succeed. And and Anson lives that. I don't know if you remember this, Anson, but when we met in Miami uh, at the conference last year, like, you know, I went up to you and I was like, you know, I just joined the mastermind. Um, recently. And I was asking questions about financing and you're like, yep, I got all this. Like, let me send you all my notes. And you just sent me my notes at uh, your notes. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> that was my reaction. Um, so Anson, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over this past year. And, you know, why are you such a giver? It's been a conscious decision, to be honest. Uh, this, this past year, I uh, realized that I had a strong desire to uh, become someone who is really known for the value that that I bring, you know, and that I want to be someone who improves the lives of those around me, you know, mm -hmm. and even to something specific, uh, having that intention stated for myself is a value of who I am as a person and building in little ways where I felt there was a discrepancy between like my stated desire there and the way I showed up. And so I've made it a point of every single day, I will have one piece of discernible value I bring to someone or to community around me. And it took that kind of like intentional focus of doing it every single day for it to then become what you what feels like to you just natural of who I am. 
it took an actual discipline approach to now, now it does feel just a part of, I don't know, my own personal ethos, but there are some folks there. Wow. Yeah. So I had a feeling there was some intent behind it and, you know, you're certainly following through and now it's really just like breathing for you. Even just today, like before we signed on, I was just, I was looking in our group and somebody asked a question about owner reports and you're like, yep, got these, here's some screenshots. I'm like, this guy is crazy. This guy is, he just keeps giving um, and he wants to better everyone around him. And I think that's a great lesson that we could all learn from, Um, you know, Rory, I know when we're in the trenches, sometimes it, we lose sight of, of the value that I think we add to each other and to others. But um, I don't know. What do you think? Like you're in the legal side of this. Like, what is it like on that side of the world? Like are lawyers this giving? Um, you have to find pockets of the community that are, um, that are giving. Um, I've been fortunate to find some of those, but um, yeah. So the answer is yes. In the, the legal world, there are people that work together um, in the brokerage space or people that work together. Um, but it's not as universal as I've found it to be in the real estate investor space. Mm-hmm. Um, Anson, before we get too deep, tell us about yourself uh, and about Tailored Stays. Um, what's your business like? How'd you get into this crazy world? Yeah. Uh, so on the STR front specifically, um, I actually had uh, purchased a home for my family about six years ago. And the reason we purchased it was because it has a, has a detached carriage house in an area of Denver that's tough to get uh, your permits uh, to be able to operate. And so with it set up, it, it was a great way for us to uh, purchase a home that at that time we would not have been able to purchase um, and to be able to support the mortgage. And so I did that for quite a few years, uh, not a part of anything out there other than us just you know trying to provide valuable experiences for people. And, um, and then it was last year that... Um, I was on the heels of, I was flipping homes for a few years and that was coming out of a business that I built for about a decade in the automotive space. And my engagement in flipping was a taking a break from building a business. Flips can be projects, right? And we kind of open and close the book unless you want to build a company around it. And I needed a break from managing employees. So that was my engagement in flipping. And, uh, but then after a couple of years of that, the, uh, the fire started to uh, burn again internally to actually build something. And then it was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, and the STR space felt like this natural intersection point of I ran a service-based business. I have experience in hosting our own space. I have experience in real estate from the flipping aspect and design. And so um, it was like, okay, we're going to pull the trigger and go this way. And um, my level of commitment to this business and this industry is just in, is just increasingly uh, being cultivated. Uh, I feel like every month, like my buy-in is even greater. Going from like I'll do this as a side project, or to like I'm I'm really amped about building uh, what I'm working currently. Mm-hmm. When when we when I first met you last year, right? I mean, it's been about a year since I've been in this um, STR Secrets Mastermind. You were in it already, so I don't know how long you'd been in it prior you could have been a founding member or joined a week before me yeah just a few months before me okay so you um you were in the process of purchasing uh solara sands which is yeah. this stunning property in crystal beach texas right yeah. um somewhere i'd never heard of and you know when you started showing pictures i'm like what is this place i mean we, we will link it in the bio uh of this um podcast or in the description but you know 
tell us about that property. And that was not easy for you to acquire either. I, I seem to remember you going through some issues with um, financing, like toward the very end of the process too. Yeah. Yeah. Even the final hours were uh, a bit stressful. Yeah. So that um, property came about because uh, I was working with an investment partner. And so we, we were looking to, to acquire something uh, in a partnership setup. And uh, we had a buy box, effectively how much you know cash uh, Arter was able to bring to the table. And then we had some stated goals around what kind of return something had to deliver for it to be worthwhile for us both to be involved, for me to do all the work associated with it, and for him to have his cash, substantial amount of cash tied up. And so we were honestly looking, and by we, I mean, I am looking nationwide for a couple of months. Um, looking at something that was give or take around a two mil purchase price, um, and it needed to conservatively deliver at least twenty percent cash on cash. So yeah, I was looking at any property that fit that fit that criteria, and ended up coming across this space down in Crystal Beach, which um, for certain sized units can actually be a challenging market to drive returns. But this property is one of two in the entire market of its size, and so there is a unique kind of proposition of we really get to create our own niche within this market of property of the size, which specifically it's two connected houses, um, has 11 bedrooms, it sleeps 39 people. And then we outfitted it with all these, you know, a billiards room and a workout studio and, um, you know, workstations and projectors and like really making it a unique um, uh, space for both like family and gatherings, obviously vacations, but also retreats for businesses and things like that. So yeah, it's been a great process. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to uh, to get that thing, both from an acquisition standpoint, but also we completely refurnished uh, the space. And um, But yeah, now we're, uh, we launched back in March. Yeah, it's rocking and rolling. How long did it take you to go from um, closing to actually having it up and ready and in service? So we uh, closed on it in the fall of last year, uh, late fall, and we took uh, some reservations before it was refurnished while the the plans were being fine-tuned and dialed in, Um, and then we officially launched it as it stands in March. So, you know, there was a solid four to five months, five months of, from the point of closing and real work to get the space launched. Um, which on that note, I totally underestimated the work involved with launching that and uh, ended up living on site for almost six weeks <laughs> to get being finished and, and launched. So um, what you do what you have to do. Did did your family go down there with you? I know you have- um, Yes, yeah, for a few weeks of that, they did. They did? Yeah. Yeah, that makes it a little bit easier than having to, you know, disappear for six weeks and call home all the time. Yeah. What have you discovered or learned since you launched that property? Like, are, have there been some changes you've made along the way? Yeah. So specific to that property, um, there are benefits to having a large, uh, high revenue style property, obviously. But also I underestimated the amount of nuanced details that have to be considered in a space like there are so many things that have we have to stay on top of, whether it's 
where there's a there's an in-ground heated pool and are the heaters operational to there's a gate at on the property the whole space is fenced and gated and to obviously key access to is the arcade machine working or is it you there's just a litany of these kinds of details that um in other properties that we manage just aren't present and uh and so it has forced us to get uh to really develop it at deep level all of our systems um because it was for a couple of months it was from a management standpoint was a massive headache because we were constantly felt like we we're putting out fire 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 and um but now there's documentation and photos and videos and SFPs for almost everything on the property now. And, uh, um, and I knew that would be important, but then whenever you're having to manage a property of that size and complexity, uh, it doesn't become a, a nice thing to have. It becomes absolutely necessary unless, you know, if you want to maintain some semblance of a, a, a grounded mental space. <laughs> so we- for a property of that size, how long does it take to turn that over? I mean, are you, you can't be doing same day turnovers for that one, are you? We do. You yeah. are? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, not always, but uh, we do. And that was part of, uh, I mean, I interviewed effectively every cleaning company in that market. And one of the things that sold me in one crew was them saying, we will get it done if this needs to get done. And so sometimes they have to hire additional like help and bring in like other crews that, or different companies that they have a good relationship with. Sometimes they have to bring them in, but you know, at, on a space that some of the nights uh, go for you know two thousand dollars a night, um, having same day turnover, it, it's a lot of money that you're leaving on the table if you can't do that. For a property of that size, what's the average nightly stay? Do people just stay a night or two, or do these groups stay? Um, how long do they stay? Yeah, average is four to five nights. Right, right in there. Um, yeah, there's very few that are one or two nights. It's it's quite rare. You know, with any property, not just one of this size, but even a small two bedroom condo. You know, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, think the very first year, the entire year, is is finding your ground and figuring out pricing, figuring out messaging, figuring out seasonality. Um, you know, you kind of have to go through a spring, summer, winter, and fall really to see. The guests, the duration of time people are going to stay, the booking window, what you can charge, what issues are happening. You know, is it a hurricane? Is it a blizzard? Is it super high heat? You know, like you deal with different stuff in Texas than you do in Colorado. We deal with different stuff in the Northeast. Um, But, you know, we could all figure it out if we have some time to think through what happens through all the seasons. Um, and you haven't had a full year there yet. So, you know, you've, you've made some great learnings in the, um, in the short amount of time that you've already been operating this, but you know, I don't know, what are your thoughts there? Like, is, do you think you're going to be really hitting that stride after year one? For sure. There's been so many kinks to work out and so many things that, um, I thought that we would already have in place that frankly we thought, but because there's been so much energy to, uh, just managing of the actual physical property. Um, and so, you know, we have uh, plans around what does it look like to really build out a robust direct booking side of things for this property of uh, some written down plans of how we want to go about actually developing relationships with local companies, businesses, churches, like any kinds of spaces that would, uh, that would lend themselves to looking 
for a property they could use for retreat purposes, for uh, business meetings, things like that. But and I thought I would have that dialed whenever we launched. And it's still in process because of all of the other components to managing a property of a size. So, I mean, I, I had to refocus even my own mindset around it. I was like, man, um, this will crush. And year one's going to be like, we'll stay in the black. It'll be good. Um, but year one of this property, this kind, it is working the bugs out of the system. And then next year, like it, it's going to kill. You know, with any business, uh, there's, there's the list of logistical things that you have to work out. You know, the integrations, the APIs, the log into this, the put this description down. And then there's the strategic elements. You know, you just described a bunch of them right there for your growth. Like, who do I partner up with locally? How do I expand my sphere of influence in this marketplace? You know, and talk about how difficult it is to manage those two things, you know, because you've been very open about being in the business, hiring out um, help for your business, at least your current business right now. And you've managed people in the past, but, you know, are you... And you were there for six weeks, right? Like you had to get it done. So sometimes you're the one tinkering and you're the one literally turning the screws. And sometimes you're trying to think big picture. How do you balance those? Uh, uh, that's a daily, that's a daily engagement there for me. Um, you know, it's, it can be uh, quite easy, not just in this business, but in, in, in any business to get... Um, overwhelmed by the operations of the business. And even if the original intention is to, for a business that is whatever, self-managing, where you want to hire the proper team, where you're not doing, it still can like seduce you into getting your hands too much into things. And there's a season and a time for that. But I, I have to daily ask myself, where am I getting sucked into working in the business and not all of this? And there, there's times where it's necessary especially starting out, um, you know, it, it might even be unhelpful to uh, too early on in the process to think that you only work on the business. I don't do any of the stuff in it. I don't think guess like, and you actually miss uh, the opportunity to not only know that part of the business really well, but like, I need to be able to train team members on how to do the things in the way that we determine is in alignment with the purpose of our company way that we want to serve guests and orders. And so, okay, I'm doing this specific task again. Do I know this well enough to teach it? Do I know it well enough to create an SFP? Um, and am I finding myself just doing it? Because sometimes the path of least resistance is to do it yourself. Sometimes it's fast, you could do it yourself. Uh, but that also will absolutely cap what my business can become. So, you know, practically that looks like uh, we have two VAs now and um, having to even train them on how to communicate with the cleaners. I know my cleaners get overwhelmed by too many messages. And so it might be trying to be helpful and asking questions. And it just happened yesterday where the, where the cleaner responded, like, I don't have time to read all these, these messages. Like, and so then it's a call of my VA. Here, here's how we manage this relationship. And then having to train them on that because otherwise I get sucked back into relay, trying to communicate in the way that I know that cleaners resonate with really important that they feel their time's respected. So yeah, it's the trying to assess what tasks need my engagement and do they need it in an ongoing way or how quickly can I create a defined process and then push that, give that to someone else to give them ownership of it. And then to trust them with it. That's the huge piece of this is like, 
you have to be able to trust that the team team has uh, the vision in mind and are operating with the uh, the clear um, objectives that you stated for for the operation. Yeah, that's important uh, with any kind of team. I've managed teams on site before. We have a assistant right now, and I have a few people that work with us virtually, like on this podcast. Our producer works virtually, but you know we've hired a VA also to do some work with this podcast and with uh, our short term rentals. Um, when I manage people on site, you know, in my last job, like I'd always try to give them the big picture why we're doing what we're doing before we go into like what the task is. Because I, you know, if you're a virtual professional from somewhere around the world or you're a 20 something entry level person starting um, at a company, you probably want to know why you're doing it. You know, not just like what is my task? What's that spreadsheet I have to run? What's this communication I have to do? You know, so it's great that you walk people through kind of the bigger picture of how do we serve our customers? How do we communicate with, you know, the people that are on the ground? Uh, because that teaches them and it's easier for you to do it yourself, but that doesn't teach people, right? You know, so I've I've personally always had this mindset, which I'd now incorporate into, you know, our business straight for short-term rentals, which is I'd be willing to do everything. Every single thing that I ask somebody to do, I'm willing to do. You're probably the same way. Like I... I do every cleaning for the first time because I want to see what it's like to clean. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're control freaks. <laughs> but I-, I chalk it up to wanting to see the kinks and wanting to see the bottlenecks. And if I'm going to ask somebody to do this list of things without having the experience of doing them myself, that I don't get that same experience of what they're going to go through. And if it's going to cause pain for that person, they're going to leave. They're going to get frustrated, right? So, you know, it's it's a great lesson when you're working with people to show them how to do it. I've recorded a bunch of Loom videos, right? I'm sure you do Loom all the time or you do videos um, specifically related to this podcast. We now have some help to get episodes live, both in production and in the post-production. All of that was up here, right? I'm sure you have a lot of stuff up here that you've been gradually moving onto video and SOPs. Um, And not only does it help uh, with our sanity, as operators, um, but it helps empower people to do their jobs better, is what I've learned. Totally. Well, and it's the, um, what's uh, like, you know, the e-myth talks about moving from working in the business to on it. And and I recognized a few months ago where some areas felt like they were lagging with how many our, our VAs were operating or certain processes um, not going as smoothly as I would want. And i Notice that I was just allowing that to stay as a frustration, um, and and honestly not taking responsibility for like, dude, you have not led in a way that delivers the results you say that you want to meet. This is no one else's response. Like this is no one else's fault. Like either the vision isn't clear enough, either you haven't created a good database of SOPs, whatever. Like. It's about that leadership component, and that's been that's been such a, um, a powerful thing for me to reengage with. It's like if I actually want to do the things I say I'm going to do, like my leadership has got to, has got to continue to el- continually elevate. Otherwise, like I, not only will I create a cap for what I can do and achieve for myself and the business, but like, what does that tr- uh, what does the future look like for team members? Right, like. And thankfully, we did a six-month um, eval with uh, with one of my VAs, and it was incredibly encouraging for her to hear from her 
how appreciative she is for the clarity and the leadership that she's experiencing around her task. She feels empowered. She feels like if she doesn't know how to do something that she knows she's going to get shown and taught how to do it. Um, and you know, it's good to feel that, like to go from a concept of like, we could all, uh, resonate with, uh, lofty ideals around leadership and, uh, entrepreneurship and how to lead a company, but to then actually put, you know, tread to pavement, pavement, and then to hear that reflected back, um, it's incredibly motivating, uh, to do more of that, e- even from the standpoint of rec- recording Loom videos. For some reason, I had so much resistance to doing it, it because it was new, right? It was a new, like I had never done that before. And now it feels like one of the most important things I can do is record a Loom video. Like there's very few things as important as that in my business. Um, but it's taken some time for me to fully buy it. What I hear you saying in that is, you know, you can, you can, and you should be delegating tasks uh, through your business so your business can grow. But ultimately, you can never really delegate the ultimate responsibility to for making sure that things get done and things get done well. Is that something you think you know is inherent in good leadership? Yeah, and having the discernment of what things should be offloaded to someone else and when to offload it. You know, learning from an experience in my previous business, I had this idea, and this is specifically in the automotive body shop space where I was built, I built a company for about 10 years. And I look back and I see at moments I had a, um, had values around actually hiring people to do the work and not just doing it all myself. And it was necessary for where we grew to. But in retrospect, I also see that there were times that I had no idea how something should be done. And I just had, tried to hire someone to do it. And then the results weren't there. And there was frustration that grew over time. The results weren't there in certain areas. And, um, and I see how I, what needed to happen was either that I needed to learn the thing to be able to properly lead in it, or I needed someone else that was at a high level, if you want to call it a C-suite level, whatever like framing you want to give to that. But someone has to know that thing at a, at a, at a deep and intimate level to be able to lead um, other people with it and to, to expect, you know, as, as great as they are, like a VA, like I, it's not a fair expectation that I could say, Hey, um, I need you to build out the whole sales process for us. I empower you, go get it. Like I'm sa- I'm not setting them up to it. Right. So I do need to learn that or I need to purchase a course. And then, then I have them go through the course, but I have to, I have to actually set them up to it. Have you jumped at all into any of the uh, the AI tools that are out there, whether it's ChatGPT to help with you know answering questions or messaging or building SOPs out? You know, how is that woven into your business so far? Uh, more and more so. I mean, I literally just recorded a long uh, Loom video on uh, the ways that we use that with our company for RPAs just just a week ago. Um, the primary uh, use cases for us currently are around. Um, listing descriptions, content related to listings, um, uh, preparing responses to challenging situations. So, you know, one one of the use cases specifically was, hey, if you have a uh, conversation that's come up with a guest that you are not like, you know what the actual answer is, but you don't know how to articulate it in a way that um, is empathetic, communicates clearly. Um, Here's how to use AI. Here are like 
copy and paste the actual question from the guest, bring in your intentions. Like, please help me build a response that achieves these three things. And then being able to iterate off of that, using that as like, not, you don't think copy and paste the actual content given from that. And that's a starting point for you then to refine. Um, and it's been really helpful for VAs, um, where they, they felt like it was a cheat code, you know, and I'm like, it's like, use this, use the tools that we have. Um, and, and the, the responses to some kind of delicate situations that we've had with guests, like it's been massive. Mm-hmm. I want to pivot a bit to talk about community and your work as a solopreneur, at least to start. Um, and I want to talk a bit about the mastermind group that we're in, uh, STR Secrets, and the event that we went to, which was, uh, I think it was called STR Wealth Conference. It was in Miami. Um, per, for me, I, I joined, you know, because my job ended and I knew I wanted to do this next because we were already doing this. You know, that was, that's been our story. We tell it a lot on this podcast. We've been operating properties since 2016. But I didn't have people I could talk to about it. You know, like it was my coworkers that knew I was doing it on the side. And then I had coworkers and we talked about regular work. And I'd, then half of what I used to do was talking about real estate because they'd asked me lots of questions about this. When people know that you're into the short-term rental space, I don't know if you feel this way, but oh my God, the questions come from left field, right? From people that you wouldn't even expect, which is great because it means we're thought leaders. But I needed people to talk to about this. That's why I joined this group. And then going to conferences like the one in Miami, and then I went to the conference in Nashville, then the participation that we have uh, in weekly coaching calls in our, our group. I don't feel alone. I don't know. I don't know, but how you feel about this? But it's been a it's been a critical part of my past year, in that I feel like I have people like yourself, Anson, that I could pick the phone up or message, get quick answers to things or in deep conversations like this. And I'm not wasting people's time because I'm adding value back. What are your thoughts on, on what the mastermind and, and groups like that have meant to your journey as an entrepreneur? It, it is, um, this is not an overstatement to say that it's been life-changing and I don't get any referrals off of this. <laughs> like it's legitimately changed my life and on multiple fronts. My previous experience in uh, my former business, um, I had some like associates in the industry that were friends, but I I felt so alone for so many years, and I got uh, the level of burnout I experienced. It, it was it was severe, and it and it pushed me into honestly a pretty challenging and dark season of my life. Um, and so, engage choosing to. Uh, state and then to take action of, Hey, I'm going to build a business in this space. Um, and realizing my experience previously of feeling alone and isolated and that there's so many things I didn't know how to do. So I was doing my best, but like made a lot of mistakes. And, um, and part of it for me of like giving myself fully to something like, uh, the mastermind that we are in was, uh, recognizing that a lot of the people that I follow their content, their thoughts, um, whether that be through podcast or YouTube, most of them, if not all of them are engaged in having a mentor and being a part of a community of like-minded people. And it was a, I remember journaling about this, like, dude, do you think you are above this? (laughs) Like, do you think all these people that are extraordinary individuals who achieve great things, 
stated, this has been essential to their process of not being alone, being able to like go shoulder to shoulder with people with similar missions, to be able to learn from others' mistakes, to be able to get input. Like, do you really think that you don't need this? And that's, that was obviously an emphatic, uh, no, that like, I do actually need this. And I think that that's just part of being an integrated human who's like wanting to do their best and wants to, uh, to put something of value out into the world. Um, and, uh, doing that side by side from other people. And, and I'll say this, when I first got into the mastermind, my primary reasoning were motivation was I thought I was like learning strategies on STR. Uh, SGRs. It was very like one dimensional, like, okay, I'll learn how to drive occupancy. I'll learn how to like manage rates. That has become such a small portion of the value that, that my life has, has gotten from something of this, of this kind. And really it's, for me, it's about the kind of focus that I'm able to maintain because I'm on calls once, if not twice a day, five to six days a week. And it's, that level of um, positive accountability, it's not like, hey, dude, did you do your thing? And coming down on you about not doing the thing that you said you were going to do, even though that can have uh, validity at times. It's that I'm shoulder to shoulder with people like you that I know are going full out, that are giving their best and are really trying to do something of substance in the world. And there is an inherent accountability to showing up in a community kind of way, it doesn't allow me to slack. <laughs> like I feel a responsibility that I continually show up and move the needle, you know, on a daily and weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Let me ask both of you a question about the mastermind that you're in, because, you know, earlier you asked me about um, what it's like in other fields and how cooperative it is. And to some degree, there's cooperation in every field, um, but there's a pressure in some industries to always project a level of confidence, always claim that everything is great, sometimes when it isn't. In this mastermind setting, are you able to to be vulnerable a little bit when you're having challenges in your businesses? Yeah. That's a personal choice though. Like it's not a given. And it wasn't a given for me at the beginning. I realized that I was succumbing to wanting to present a certain picture of myself. And it was a, another like line of the sand conscious uh, choice to like, dude, let it go. Like it serves nothing. It like they, the other people don't get benefit out of it. You actually are not benefiting from it because you're propping yourself off and not being totally honest. So you're not fully learning. And so all you're doing is preserving some little angle of your ego. That's it. <laughs> and so. Uh, that was a very conscious, again, effort or um, choice for me to be like, I'm going to be completely open. And I've, within that mastermind, I've shared some vulnerable stuff with the whole mastermind, with smaller groups. I'm like, I, I am here to grow and develop and create a life for my channels to the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. And that's my motivation. And so releasing any tendency to want to preserve the ego because it's, uh, it's not going to deliver what, what I want. Yeah. You know, I'll concur with that and add that people don't join a mastermind like this to, you know, pound their chest and and be the loudest voice in the room and have everyone adore them, you know, because it's expensive. It's a time commitment. And that's not the purpose. The purpose is to learn the systems, is to get your mind in the right spot, to have a network of people that you can lead on, that you can help as well. 
And I feel the same way. I mean, I, I don't think that I, I wouldn't have joined this if I was the one that had all the answers, right? Like why bother? Like why be that person? You know, hey, I'm going to pay this money to be in this group to then tell everyone what my systems are. Like, no, I'm open to hearing what everyone else does. And then, you know, you, you borrow from them. People are sharing messaging. People share reports. People, because none of us are competing, like zero of us are competing with each other. Even if you're in the same market, there's people in the mastermind that are in the same market. It all starts with going back to the why. It's a question they ask us all the time. Well, why do you want to do that? What is your goal? What is your objective? Uh, and goals can change as time goes on. But if it doesn't fall into the why, I remember, I don't know when it was a couple of months ago, you you were kind of running down a road of something on one of Mike's calls and you know, he kind of threw it back at you and be like, why do you want to do this in the first place? And, you know, you had to really think this through. And it was like a 15 minute back and forth where I'm like, oh my God, he's out there <laughs> treading water, but he eventually got there. It's why do we want to do it? Like, why why is this important in our lives and our families? Like, how is this, you know, affecting positive change if indeed it does? And everybody's why is different. So it's not like the leaders of the group or the influential people in the group are going to push somebody down a certain road if it doesn't fit into their why. And I think that people respect that. Some people want to grow mega, mega, multi-million dollar businesses. And if, for whatever reason, they want to write books, they want a Netflix show, they want to have you know more money than God. Other people want to have a happy family life, pay their bills, uh, enjoy their community, um, and affect change in people's lives. And that's fine. There's a spot for both those people in this group, I think. 100%. Yeah. And it, take, it takes... Uh... It's a lot of work to get clear on that bill. And I'm very much still in that process, but like saying, well, you know, I want freedom of time and money. Everyone does. Yes. But getting super clear on like, Hey, why do I want, why, why do I need that? You know? Um, and yeah, that, that, that's honestly a lot of my internal work these days is still processing, uh, my ability to get crystal clear on why I do that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's absolutely space uh, for for any uh, for any way that might manifest for different. But it's so important that you have that introspection that anyone does. If you're listening to this podcast and you've made it this far into it with this discussion, figure out why you want to be who you want to be. If you're investing in real estate, why do you want to buy what you want to buy? How is it going to improve your life or the lives of others? And when you answer those questions, then you could move forward because if you don't know the answers to them then why bother creating all this noise and this extra work? Why? It doesn't make any sense. you know. So so to ask first, I've learned also about self-limiting beliefs in this group. You know, A lot of times they'll dig really deep into, well, why do you feel that? Like if you think that you're going to hit a ceiling, well, how do you get around that ceiling? How do you get through that ceiling? You know a lot more about this than I do because you've been through some additional training you know, from some of the folks in this group. But that mindset, change and shift, I think is so important, not just in real estate investing, but in any kind of entrepreneurship, because, you know, sometimes people see, you know, they'll shoot for the moon, but they can't quite get those steps, you know, along the way that they need to take, uh, because they feel as though there's problems along the way. But if you kind of resolve those, each little step kind of gets you, you know, up that mountain, not to be so cliche, but you know, I look back to where we were a year ago and like we've accomplished so much in this past year. Like you, you, you've accomplished a lot this year. I've accomplished a lot this year, you know, and that leads to, you know, kind of my final question before we get to our last three, 
which is what's next for you? You know, you what are you working on right now? Um, it's probably good to articulate it because sometimes when you write these things down and say them, then you're kind of forced to have to do them. So what are you working on? Yeah. A bulk of my work these days feels like uh, working with myself. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, like the more that I do that, the more higher and greater importance it, it takes for me, even around, say, an area like visualization. Literally processing this morning, I was doing this breathwork session, doing some actual visual, visualization time and choosing to like assume the belief that this is the most important thing in my life. Period. Me being able to get clear on where I'm going and being able to see and feel that, and for whatever love encouragement it is for anyone else. Rewind the clock six, 12 months ago, I was incapable, incapable of even like considering it, much less actually feeling and believing it. And like this morning, I felt it and I believed it. But I, that, that's, it's growing and it's viewing that as a skill in itself. It's not fixed. And so a lot of my work is that I have to further increase the clarity and the um, vibrancy of the image I have in my mind of where I'm going. Because like, not only for the sake of achieving my goals, but for the sake of my team that I'm leading, for the sake of my family, like community around me, like, I mean, I even hold a level of responsibility to the mastermind community. Like I need to continually raise my game because I know I, I can be of support to others. So anyway, so that's one part uh, compelled by the idea uh, that uh, Gay Hendricks talks about in his books, uh, this idea of being in your zone of genius. I want to continually optimize that for, for my schedule, my time, and my output to be um, increasingly honed in on where is the thing, like what are the things that I do that no one else in the world can do the way I can? And that that gets 80 plus percent of my time. And then I, and now it's becoming incredibly motivating that I build a company that has everyone that's a part of it, the bulk of their time is spent in their zones of genius. And so that's really uh, of high priority to me in the season is actually driving revenue in the company. And we have specific goals around that, but driving these revenue numbers, because I know that then allows me to hire a certain profile of team that allows for all these people to be operating in the areas that, and they crush out and it brings their heart alive and they feel them flow. So yeah, so it's working with myself and then um, driving a business to where I can, I can afford the kind of team that facilitates that experience. Mm -hmm. Anson, I never heard the term zone of, zone of genius before. I've heard superpowers, but I, yep. I like zone of genius better. Yeah. It's a little more refined. Well, and, and it's the, like, there's probably quite a few things that each of us can do and be really great at, and it can still be missing the mark of our genius and being able to like have that discernment is just powerful. Rory, what do you got for final thoughts for answer before we get to our last three questions? No, I just want to thank you for coming on. I don't really have a ton more to add, but I am just interested in what you have to say for our, our final three. Here, I'm talking to Rory before we record. I'm like, all right, before we, I, I, you know exactly what I'm going to say right now. I'm like, you know, every time I, do, I say, yes. Rory, any, any, any final questions for our guest? He always does this. He says, no. And then he asked the final question and you did it right there and you <laughs> caught yourself. You know, this is the radio part of me. You know, I know about crutches. That was my past life. I didn't work on bo um, body shops and cars like you did. 
Okay. Our final three questions for you. We ask these of all the guests that come on the podcast, Anson. Uh, it's a great way to wrap up the conversation, learn a little bit more about you, uh, and then we'll have you tell everyone where they can reach out to you. Uh, first one is, uh, tell. Um, oh my God, I forgot the three questions. Uh, if you get on stage for half an hour uh, and talk about any subject in the world with no preparation, what would it be? This would be... It would be about taking radical responsibility for one's life and, and being relentless in one's pursuit of living and aligned, aligned life. Um, that, uh, it's becoming something that's becoming so integral to my own path and I can feel the fire burning and supporting other people and finding alignment. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's what I would, I would enjoy talking about. Awesome. Second question, uh, tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. At a fairly young age, I recognized that um, there were things that I was interested in, hobbies, sports, and I recognized that I was not inherently the most talented. And specifically, this took shape, like I played soccer fairly competitively growing up and I played on these, um, out of regional teams. And, but I was like the, I felt like, always felt like I was the least talented out of the whole crew, but what it forced me to do was I was a practice an hour early and I stayed an hour late. Like, and what I could do was affect how I showed up in the work I put in. And, uh, so in moments, whenever I, I can, um, have uh, internal thoughts that maybe are limiting or or um, even judgmental towards myself because of a perceived lack of skill or talent. Um, I do have trust that uh, I could I can essentially compensate for that by the by the work that I put in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great lesson for all of us. I mean, you can always show up early. You can always put in more effort. Uh, sometimes you won't get the best result, but at least you'll put your best effort forward and your best foot forward, and you'll be able to learn um from that experience of of creating a little bit dis, uh, additional work toward that goal or practice toward that goal uh and people appreciate the effort they do and you know bringing it back to strs like sometimes people just want to get a response they want to get effort you might not be able to solve it but they want to see that they're here that they're being heard and that you're responding to them as a host um so yeah that's a great lesson Final question. Uh, tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days. Anything in the world? Uh, yeah, I am reading an incredible book by Simon Siddick called The Infinite Game and highly recommend it. He also wrote a book called Start With Why. Mm -hmm. um, but The Infinite Game is about uh, that in our life, uh, both, both personally, professionally, in actual games, um, there are finite and there are infinite games being able to discern uh, which one we're playing. And he would argue that even in business, uh, good, long-lasting businesses play an infinite game that's not about just a revenue number, but it's about substitute value that they bring to the world. And that uh, someone else, as Alex Ramosi puts it, like the point of business is to keep doing business. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be able to bring value. Um, it's not just about beating the person next to you. But uh, so it's changing the structure in a way we frame things that we're taking part in. Yeah. 
Simon Sinek's written a, a number of business books. They're all, you know, very poignant. And I always take some great morsels from each one of those that, that I've read. I've not read that one yet. Rory, have you? I have not. No? Well, on the list. Hey, Anson, this has been uh, a terrific conversation. I'm so grateful that you spent some time with us today. I've, I've wanted to have kind of a detailed conversation with you for quite some time since we spent um, time together in Miami. Uh, a number of late nights after those sessions, I certainly remember sharing a couple of bourbon drinks with you in the bar downstairs. I don't know, just that, that bar got loud and people just got talking. So, you know, that's how it happens at those small events. Where can people learn more about you if they want to reach out, they want to learn about um, Tailored Stays, uh, get some of your advice, get some of your thoughts, hear more from you? So we're on Instagram, tailoredstays.co, um, website, tailoredstays.co. Um, email is anson at tailoredstays.co. Feel free to reach out. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a fair amount of competency about the actual mechanics of the business, but I'm highly passionate about um, seeing people in my community, myself, like live in an empowered light way. So if that's ever resonance for anyone, I am more than available and happy to, uh, to take on a conversation there. Yep. And Anson is a great follow online. Uh, your videos are always really interesting. You always have some interesting stuff to say. You're always walking around when you're doing them. I know I've told you that I'm like, Oh, he's walking again. Um, and they're in black and white. I notice you like that effect, huh? Yeah, you know, taking something and going with it, you know, so, uh, <laughs> no, maybe it works out. All right. Rory, where can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you? Um, you could actually just go to RoryGill.com and you'll find the different ways to get in touch with me and the different ways I might be able to help you. All right. And if you want to get a hold of me, you want to be a guest on this podcast or have questions for me, Rory or Anson, you could reach me, Jason, at nexthometitletown.com. I do own my domain, my name again, finally, but there's nothing there. Someone squatted on it for a little while, but I was able to get it back. So I'll have to I'll have to get something up there so I can now just say jasonmuth.com. In any case, uh, Anson, this has been uh, an awesome conversation. I'm really grateful for all your insights. Uh, I always learn stuff from you. You're, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you give so much. You're so giving with info, uh, with your time. I know it's intentional at this point, but you probably don't even realize how how much people appreciate the insights that you give. So, you know, once again, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much, guys. I enjoyed it. All right. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, uh, we would love a five-star review or a comment. Please feel free to reach out to us and tell your friends. Download this episode and we'll see you next time.